you know what the good news is? The good news is we are, we are one week closer than we were last week to being able to sing. No, we have no idea how many weeks left we have, but we're one week closer. <laughs> I don't know if that's 20 weeks or 8 weeks or 38 weeks. I'm not sure. But we are, we are learning in the midst of this to, to worship in different ways and what a blessing it is to have uh, such skilled musicians to lead us in this. I take a, a few minutes to, to pray together before I begin. Holding little kids and having a mask on isn't very conducive to keeping the mic in a good spot. Alright, let's pray together. God, we lift you high this morning. Your forgiveness is so rich. We don't even know the half of it. But we know that as we place your faith in us, that you have forgiven us, that you've wiped our sins as far away as the east is from the west. That is a promise that we claim, and it's a promise that we stake our lives upon. Thank you for that forgiveness. It's like honey to our lips. Or a Mars bar to our lips. Or maple syrup. The wonderful things, God, that we can think of, that we taste, your forgiveness is sweeter than that. So we, we honor you. Thank you. God, this morning, we, uh, we lift up Dale Gingert to you and Jean and the family as they grieve the passing of Barb. We pray that you would be with each one, that you would minister to their hearts today with each of the, the siblings, the step, or the, the sibling-in-laws. We ask that you would speak words of hope and encouragement. We pray especially for Jean this morning, that you would minister to her heart, that she would have a very real sense that you're right there with her, carrying her in this deep grief. So we pray, God, that you would come in the midst of their family for daily for their love. God, we pray that you continue to give us strength to make it through these very strange times. These are times unlike anything we've ever experienced, but your people have walked through stuff way crazier than this throughout history. And you've sustained your people always. And so we ask that you give us that strength. We ask that you would guide us in paying attention to the things in our hearts during this time that we need to pay attention to. We pray that you would guide us in paying attention to things in our families that we need to pay attention to, our employment and our friendships. God, we pray that your kingdom would come in very special and unique ways during this time. Fill us with grace for one another. Fill us with courage. God, we pray right now for our kids and our grandkids. Thank you so much for them. Kids, your grandkids, kids of our friends, maybe your next door neighbor. For kids, God, we pray that you would shape hearts that would be open to you. We pray that you would speak to us through kids that you would give us 
eyes to see, ears to hear what you're saying through them. God, we pray that you would raise up mighty young men and women who love you and are devoted to you and will follow you wherever you call them. We pray, God, that you would speak prophetic words over us older generations through our kids. That you would inspire our faith through our kids. Whatever it is that they face in school, in their homes, um, we pray, God, that you would sustain them and pour out your grace on them. Most of all, we thank you for your presence in our lives. It is a real blessing to know that we don't walk this journey alone. So we honor you and, and we invite you to come more fully into our lives. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A number of years ago, our family went camping at Bruce National Park. How many of you have been up to the Bruce Peninsula National Park? Beautiful spot, eh? Oh man, we're so blessed to have that uh, just a couple, few hours away, two hours away, two and a half hours away. So we were camping up there. We're, we're in our trailer, it's the middle of the night. I don't remember exactly, but I'm gonna guess it was around 3 a.m. And I wake up and I hear this voice calling out. And uh, it's somebody and they're crying out and they're saying, help, somebody, please help. And then like 10 or 15 seconds would go by. And then like the exact same, they would say, help, somebody, please help. And this was going on for, I don't know, it went on for a little while. You know when you wake up in the middle of the night, things seem a little more crazier or they don't, they're not as they actually seem. But I'm hearing this, this voice and it sounded like a 13-year-old kid, 13-year-old boy. And I'm thinking... Our, our campsite was right next to, they've got the big parking area where, where the day use visitors come and they park and then they go off to the grotto, to the really nice uh, rocks there. And we were right next to that area. And it sounded like the voice was coming from that direction. I'm like, what is, what is going on? Was, so my mind goes to a 13-year-old boy wandering around in this parking lot, came off the trail at 3 a.m. Like, what is going on? And then my mind goes to, well, do you think, like, is this someone, like, some kind of a setup to, like, cause trouble or, or like to sucker someone out. I don't know, it's, the, the places your mind goes when you're half asleep. But that's where my mind went. And I'm lying there, and you know, you kind of think like it's off in the distance, like surely there's someone closer, there's campsites all around, surely there's someone closer that's gonna, gonna help them. So I'm laying there and I'm laying there, and they keep calling for help. And it wasn't panic, it was just worry. And it kept over and over again, every like 10 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. So finally after a few minutes, I'm like, well, I gotta go see what's going on. And I'm like super nervous. Because I'm thinking of this, like, who knows what's going on in the parking lot. So I'm going to jump you out there. I don't know why my mind went that, that way. So I get up, grab my flashlight, I walk out, and I'm following the noise of this voice. And here's just a campsite, five or six down from us. And there are these two young ladies, and they were stuck in their tent. And they thought that they heard a bear. And so they were calling for help because they thought it was a bear inside their tent, but they also took a shuttle to the park so they couldn't even like hide in their vehicle. They were just in their tent and they were too scared to get out of their tent. And they needed someone to come explore the situation. I'm not sure. So that's all that it was. So then we ended up calling the park ranger on the, on the, on the phone and they came down and kind of inspected the area more broadly. But that's all that it was. And here I'm sitting in my tent trailer. My mind's going wild about like, is there someone going to jump me out of the parking lot? And like you look back, you're like, this is ridiculous. 
But I think that this illustrates the fact that when things are hidden in the dark, they cause us far more trouble than they need to. When we keep things in the dark, when we keep them tucked away, out of sight, out of mind, they can be very destructive. Because that situation was in the dark for me, it caused me this un totally unreasonable fear and anxiety. And as soon as I was able to shine a light on it and see what was actually going on, it wasn't destructive to me at all. The things that we keep in the dark in our lives have incredible power for destruction. What does it look like for us to bring them into the light of day? So we're in the midst of our Becoming Whole series based on, um, we're working with this book, Soul Care by Rob, Rob Reamer. Um, oh, for those of you who are elders here, you can go ahead and grab your book. Um, so that you've got it ready to go. I got a fresh batch of this week. So if you don't, elders, if you don't have a book already, grab a book on your way because the elders are working through this together and discussing it. Um, so it's based on this book. We're working with scripture, but we're using the principles that this Rob Reamer fellow um, kind of has to guide us through what it looks like to care for our souls, what it looks like to become whole. So we're in the midst of this series. There's three things I'm saying every single week. Those three things are, first of all, listening to my sermon probably isn't going to make a whole lot of difference in your life. You're going to need to do the work on your own of praying and listening to God with these ideas and these principles. So for these 25 minutes or so, don't waste them by just going home and not doing anything. Actually work through these ideas on your own. Otherwise, this next 25 minutes doesn't even matter that much. Um, and grab the book if, if you can. There, uh, I'd order a bunch more because uh, a number of people grabbed them already. But this book is an excellent, excellent guide. Second piece, I'm not sharing this with you as someone who's super healthy. Um, spiritually, I'm sharing it with you as someone who is on the journey. Um, I've very much been working through this stuff the last while and continuing to work through this stuff. So I don't, I don't stand up here as someone who has it all together. The third piece is that this is a part of a larger journey for us as KZMC that we're walking through in terms of um, addressing uh, what does it look like to grow in intimacy with God, addressing spiritual healing as a part of that journey. So there will be other pieces along the way. With those pieces in mind, I invite you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. I'll give you a moment to, uh, to open that up. 1 John 1, 5 to 10. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him... There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and, have, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make about to be a liar, and his word is not in us. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. We've got a problem, and that problem is that I think that most of us 
and I include myself in this, most of us are far more interested in forgiveness than we are in repentance. I'll give you a moment to chew on that. I think we're more interested in forgiveness than we are in repentance. We want to know that we're okay. We want to know that we're good with God. And, and no doubt, if we, if we tell God, you know, we, we kind of say, when you place your faith in Jesus, you confess, I'm a sinner, I've wronged against you. I place my faith in your life, your death, and resurrection for salvation, for the forgiveness of sins. We, uh, that's excellent. That's a good thing. We know that we're God's children. We know that we're saved from sin. We know that we're going to live forever with God because of his work at the cross. We love the idea of forgiveness. But how many of us do the work of repentance? That's totally true for me. I love the idea that I'm forgiven, but I don't want to do repentance. Verse 6, if we have claimed a fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. And verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Your sin the ways that you hurt or resist God, the ways that you hurt the people around you, the ways that you hurt yourself, your sin is destructive in your life. It's destructive. We're talking about the idea of becoming whole. A couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, we talked about the idea that we're broken. And that, that seems like relatively easy for us to admit, at least on a basic level, that we're broken. Our brokenness, the pain that we experience in our lives, is because of sin. Now, some of that is because of the sin of others that's affected you. But some of that also is because of your own sin. And then we sit here and we say, well, I'm broken, I'm struggling, I'm whatever. But we don't want to step back and address and look at the sin, the destructive behaviors in our lives that is driving that brokenness. You've never actually allowed God to fully expose the darkness of your life. You say, I'm forgiven, but there's these areas, and some of the areas we don't even know about because we've never really asked God. And some of the areas we do know about, but we keep them in the corners in the dark. We say, I'm fine, I'm forgiven, it's okay. Well, that's what we're here in the dark. I'm all right. And we tell ourselves, that it doesn't matter. We have not allowed the light of God to shine, truth, to shine on our lives. We haven't done the work of repentance, of turning from our sin, of rooting out that sin. Another way to understand repentance is the idea of alignment. So we'll skip to the next slide here. If we look at um, how many of you have ever driven, and the next one, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself in the middle of the morning. How many of you have ever driven on the Trans-Canada Highway between Regina and Moose Jaw? A few of you, yeah. You see, that, that is one straight road. You see that? That's incredibly straight. You can see where Belle Plaine is, it dips a little bit. There's a bit of a curve. But aside from that, between Moose Jaw and Regina, if you've got good alignment on your car, Put on the cruise control, slide back, and you should be good to go. Unless you hit a pebble or something. That is one straight road. 
But as we all know, rarely do our cars have perfect alignment. Usually we manage it for a while until we start noticing when we take our hands off the wheel, it's going and we've got to take it in for a realignment. And so alignment is a good illustration for our lives with God. Are we aligned with the will of God? Are we walking, are we driving straight with what God's will is? None of us are. I pretty quickly veer off this way, veer off that way, because I'm not aligned with the heart of God. Because I'm not aligned, it causes destruction in my life. It causes destruction in my kids. It causes destruction in your lives as I interact with you. Now, it's not all horrible, but there are points in which we experience this destruction because we're not aligned with God. So the work of repentance is the work of aligning ourselves with God's heart. So when we take our hands off the wheel, I don't know, maybe I'm pushing this metaphor too hard. We take our hands off the wheel, we don't go... Maybe we kind of shift a little bit, but the more, you know, we want to grow to be more in line, driving straight and true with what God's heart is, so we can live life fully good and true. And this is a painful process of realigning our lives. It's a painful process of asking God, could you shine a light on my, on my, on my life? Sometimes God just does that without us wanting it at all, and that's a wonderful gift by His grace. And sometimes we've got to ask them, but it's painful. As, you know, over along this series, I, I have been kind of mentioning or referencing different ways over the last, say, year and a half when, when God's been doing some real heart work in me. And there's been stuff where he's been exposing that I wasn't aware of. He's been taking that light and kind of shining it around in some of those corners. And I haven't liked what I've seen. And it's hard. There's been moments where I've said, God, like, can you just give me peace? I don't want to feel this. I don't want to be aware of how much bitterness rises up or how much envy rises up or how much selfish ambition rises up. I don't want to know that. Could you just give me peace? I forgive and give me peace. Aren't we supposed to be about peace? Shouldn't God just give us peace? And God's like, no. God said to me, I'm not going to give you peace. You have to feel this pain. Because if you have peace, you're not going to do the work of repentance. If you feel this pain... You know things are lack. You know things are misaligned. You know that there's work of repentance that you have to do. It has not been enjoyable, but this is a gift from God. Guiding me into this work of repentance. And so I urge you, when you feel that pain, don't run away from it. This is a wonderful gift from God. When you see the ways you interact with people and how they're affecting other people, when all of a sudden these thoughts spring in your minds or these attitudes, you're like, where did that come from? Don't push it away and seek peace. Feel it. Engage with it. Allow God to do this work of repentance in your heart. Rob Reamer writes in his book on page 76, he says, God shines his light into our hearts. He reveals what is there. When our minds and hearts and behaviors are out of alignment with him, he shows the truth. We have in that moment an opportunity to get back into alignment. We simply need to say yes to God. We need to acknowledge our sin and bring it into the light. And the best part, the reason why we can do this is because of the gospel. We had a bunch of songs that pointed this really, really well that would come to the altar. I remember thinking, I gotta remember these words because I'm gonna refer to them about how the gospel takes root in our life, but I forgot them now. <laughs> they were talking about forgiveness. 
We can do this because we're forgiven. We have nothing to lose. God already knows what's in your heart. If you acknowledge it before him, you acknowledge it before someone else, you're going to be okay. God's got you. You are forgiven. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and 8, it says, You see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a, for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The fact that you've got darkness hiding stuff in your hearts, that's not a surprise to God. He knows that. That's why he went to the cross to die. He loves you in spite of that. Because of the gospel, because God has made us righteous, because he pursued us and chased after us when each of us were a horrible wreck, he died on the cross for the very people that were nailing him to it. And so surely we don't need to be afraid to take our junk to God because he has forgiven us. A fellow named David Benner, and again, this is quoted in, in this book, David Benner said, the self that God persistently loves is not my prettied up, pretend self, but my actual self. God's not impressed by the way you present yourself to others. He doesn't care that you're able to smile while you're, while you're a wreck inside. He doesn't care. He doesn't care that you're able to serve your neighbor really well while you were yelling at your spouse yesterday. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about your pretty up self. He knows who you really are. So the self that God persistently loves is not prettied up, our prettied up pretend self, but our actual self, the real self. But master of delusion that I am, I have trouble penetrating my web of self-perceptions and knowing this real me. I continually confuse it with the ideal self that I wish I was. So we're so good at casting this image, trying to be someone that sometimes we even forget. We think, oh yeah, I'm pretty much this. And we haven't come face to face with how messed up that we really are, how sinful, how disobedient, how broken. And so we're called to do this work of repentance. The first step in the, in the process of repentance is to have a contrite heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The thing is, when we've done this work, when we haven't done this work of repentance, our hearts turn cold. They turn hard. We're not paying attention to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We say, I'm so good. Everyone's got junk. I don't need to deal with that. And our hearts get cold. And so what does it look like to God? come to God with that contrite spirit and say, God, like I'm an open book. Like, Would you please show me? I want to be healthy. I want to be who you created me to be. I want to be a blessing to my family. I want to be a blessing to the people that I work with. I want to love you. I want to experience your presence more fully and deeply. And so show me. And so having that contrite spirit, coming to God. Maybe it's, you know what, you're sitting and you're journaling. Do you create space in your life to listen to God? And actually maybe even just writing out those sins that God's exposing. It's one thing to think in your mind, but to put them on paper. Have that contrite, broken spirit. Contrite is just like broken or sorrowful. Feel the weight of your sin. Like I said before, that, that's painful. That's painful. Don't push it back into the corners. Bring it into the light and hold it open before God and feel it. It's painful stuff, but it's important. And the second piece is confession. 
So then when God exposes that, confessing it to him, saying directly, God, I know that I've been disobedient to you in this area. And, and it's even naming past sins. How often are we aware of things in the past, 10 years ago that I did that I knew was not a part of God's heart, 10 years ago that I did that knew really hurt somebody. We say, well, I've forgiven, that's in the past. But we haven't addressed it, so those same underlying attitudes are still affecting us today. Those same memories are affecting us today. Bring them out into the open, confess them to God. Tell God, you know what? When I was 18, I did this. Maybe you've actually never said that to God. You say, oh, I'm forgiven. Whatever, it's in the past. When I was 18, I did that. When I was 7, I did this. Last year, I did that. Hold them out, confess it to God. And then the next piece is confess it to others. James 5.1 says, confess your sins to each other and pray I wrote this out wrong. Let me look it up in my Bible. <laughs> One moment. I can mostly quote it, but I won't get it exact. <laughs> Sorry, I wrote down the wrong reference. Does anyone, what's the reference for that verse? Almost 1-5. Nope. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. You know the gist. Confess your sins to each other. And pray to God so that you might be healed. When was the last time you confessed your sin to someone else? God tells us to do this. We're like, nah, I don't need to do that. I don't know. I, I don't do that very often. I've done it a couple times. Another way in which we're disobedient. I'm going to do my, my things my own way. And God's like, no, confess your sins to each other. That's an incredible piece of the process of repentance when you can confess your sins to others. And we say, no, I can deal with it myself. Why? Because I want, to prevent, I want to present my best self to those around me. That's arrogant. That's proud. What does it look like to come into humility and confess your sins to each other? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you everything I've done in my lifetime. But what does it look like for two or three people close to you or one other person? Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your best friend, maybe it's someone you really look up to. There's incredible freedom in speaking your sins out loud and inviting them to journey with you, inviting them to pray over you. And one of the things in this book, actually, that this fellow pushes for is a total life confession. I've not done that yet, but a total life confession where you sit with another person or two and you walk them through, this is my story of sin, and you tell them everything. You tell them everything that you've looked at, everything that you've said, everything that you've done, everything you've interacted with people that you can recall from your life story. That sounds pretty scary. I've never done this, so I'm just preaching, I guess, um, theoretically. But I've started working through this book because, like I said, I've been working through this stuff for a while. I'm continuing to work through this stuff, but I felt God nudge me that, well, if you're going to preach this, like you really, you've got to dive in deep and if he asks you to do this, let's give it a shot so just this week I met for the first time two guys I grew up with um, that I'm fairly close with and uh, we're going to meet every second week in Stratford for breakfast and we're going to work through this stuff and in a couple weeks we get to this point, I'm terrified <laughs> to sit there and be like, these are the things that I've said, I've thought, I've done, I've looked at that's terrifying, 
but we're going to give it a shot. And I think we want to become whole, but we're not willing to do the repentance that's going to get us there. This guy who writes the book, he says, I know you may be reluctant to come clean with your sin and your secrets. He says, but I cannot tell you how many times that I have taught this principle about walking in the light with God and others, and someone comes up and confesses their sin to me. And they tell me afterward that it felt like a cement block had been lifted off their souls. I know it's scary, but there's more freedom here than you can imagine. Be brave, he says. And added to that, oftentimes we have confessed things to God, but we're still not feeling that release. We're still carrying shame, we're still carrying guilt. Confessing that to people can be a helpful part of the process as they speak the words of God over you, as they help you to process all of this as well. So I'm actually going to challenge you to be, and, and maybe it's not a total life confession, but I'm going to challenge you to actually decide to be obedient to what God has called us to. If he said confess your sins to one another, and you've never done that, you're being disobedient to God. You're saying, I'm fine, I don't need to do that. Well, God knows better than you. <laughs> he knows better than me. What is that step you're going to take of confessing? Maybe a sin, maybe something you've been struggling with, something that's haunting you. Bringing that to God, working through, and then I'm going to challenge you to confess that to someone else in the next week or two. So what does this work of walking in repentance look like for you in the next while? Find people to confess to. Spend time, get alone with God. Say, God, speak to me. Write out those sins. Journal through them. Pray through them. Do this work of repentance. Shine the light on you so that you can become whole. Otherwise, it's ridiculous. If we say, why am I struggling? Why am I not whole? God, just give me peace. And then we're frustrated when that doesn't happen. Maybe you haven't felt God in a long time. Like, God, just show me your presence. God's like, I'm right here, but there's this block because you've been disobedient to me in this area. Like, yeah, but God, just show me your presence. He's like, ah. Let me shine the light on your life. So, Reamer concludes the chapter. He says, don't read this chapter, and I'll say, don't listen to this message and continue lifeless secrets. Please, for the sake of your soul and your freedom, bring all of your sin into the light. So I'll leave you with these uh, reflection questions for this week. I'll email them out again. Spend some time with God. Is there any confessed, unconfessed sin in your life? Invite the Holy Spirit to search your heart and to reveal this. Are there areas where you have confessed sin, but don't feel the release of forgiveness? Invite the Holy Spirit to speak into these areas. Are you willing to do a total life confession with someone? Will you bring all your secrets into the light so that you can be free? And then our theme prayer. Warren, Warren sent me this week. Warren always sends me funny things. Um, you know, red, green, the, the man's prayer. I'm a man. I could change if I have to, I guess. Have you ever seen that where they all gather around? 
Anyway, this reminds us of that. This has taken that to another level. <laughs> you can change by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's, let's pray this together. Lord, I'm willing to change, but I don't know how to change. There are deep-seated things inside of me that are broken, and I can see that. The problem is, I don't know what they are. I don't know what the roots are, and I don't know how to change them. I need your help. Can you lead me to a path of change? Amen. May the Holy Spirit guide you in the work of repentance this week and in the next while. And if, if, you know what, if you're experiencing fruit from that, I'd love to hear about it. I'm not at all asking you to tell me what your sins are. Um, find people to do that with. I'm not asking that. But if, if, if you're working through this, like, you know what, like, God's really good. I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear if you have advice for others in terms of how this works out. Um, I'd love to hear feedback on that, on this journey of becoming, becoming whole. All right, well, I better, better finish up there. Thank you so much for being with us today. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you today and in the days to come. Thanks for being here.